G'day, I'm Osha Ginsberg, and I want to welcome you to the latest IKEA podcast series, Behind the Brand for Coworkers of IKEA. Join me as we take a peek inside the big blue box and get to know the people at the heart of the IKEA brand. We'll hear stories from co-workers as they take us on a journey through the IKEA culture and values, the very essence of what makes IKEA, IKEA. We'll also learn more about what IKEA stands for as a business, including climate action, equality, and supporting the communities in which it operates. Today, I'll be speaking with Nam Pham, kitchen and dining team leader at IKEA Springvale. How are you, Nam? I'm good. I'm doing pretty well. Where in the world are you right now, Nam? Victoria in Melbourne. So in Melbourne, we have two IKEA stores, one in Richmond and one in Springvale, and I'm currently in the Springvale store. Right on. I'm going to just hit you with five quick questions. What do you most like about working at IKEA? The people. Love it. What's your favorite IKEA product in your house? Uh, I have a few. Probably my Calax bookshelf. It's pretty much just storing all my plants on it. Oh, plant. I used to have records in mine. I loved it. If you could have one superpower, Nam, what would it be and why? Probably to fly. Like the funny thing is I'm terrified of heights. Even getting a ladder, like I'm terrified of heights. But just after watching like, you know, those superhero movies and like how cool it would be if you could just fly. What do you consider the most important thing in life? Oh, that's a big question. Probably my family and friends. Finally, if there's one day of the week that is your favorite day of the week, what is it? Friday. (laughs) Friday. You know, it's not the weekend that's good. It's just the anticipation of the weekend. How long have you been at IKEA, Nam? I've been at IKEA for roughly around just over eight years, I think going on nine. I've moved around quite a bit internally within IKEA, a bit of after sales, a bit of logistics, and just a tiny bit of communications. Right now, I'm with the kitchens team designing kitchens. What was your life like right before you joined IKEA? What were you doing? I was studying. I was doing my major in photography, also assisting some photographers locally. And then I've got a landed a part-time role here at IKEA. It was a very small part-time contract. It was only 12 hours a fortnight. So that's basically, you know, two shifts a fortnight. From there, I just realized that there's a lot that you can do in IKEA. To just like take up photography is is one thing, but to go and study photography and and be an assistant, or I've never studied, but I've definitely I've been an assistant. Guessing that there is definitely a creative itch inside of you that needs to be scratched, Nam. There definitely is. I did assist quite a fair few of local photographers, and it was mainly editing, post editing their images for them. But yeah, there's definitely like a a background in design and in arts that I really enjoy. And I think that's another reason why I really enjoy what I'm doing now, because it's it's the same with kitchens, although it's not photography. We're still having to create a new design, draw out a kitchen for the customer. And, you know, sometimes you get a brief where it's structured exactly what they want, but sometimes they tell you, go crazy, you know, Show me what you think a good-looking, good-designed kitchen looks like. You definitely have that that background of, I mean, a kitchen is is something that 
you will see and use at least three times a day currently working from home so 12 times a day because the kitchen's all I'm always at the fridge at the moment yeah. uh, so it's a very it's a very important place and it's not something that you want to see and every time go oh, I really wish I had the different handles you know because that's going to wear down on you after a while no so you really your your ability and your visual aesthetic of, of spending all that time working on images surely that's helped you make sure that when you are designing, it is as good looking and as practical as it possibly can be. I think with my background in designing and photography, like it definitely helped me to visually know what works with what, what color works with what, just the overall aesthetic of the kitchen. The average yearly change of a kitchen is roughly eight to 10 years. So yeah, it changed quite frequently and it goes by trend. And I think... Another thing I've noticed is like, for example, last year, brass was really popular. Like anything gold or brass was really popular. And then now it's completely different. Now it's like back to a safer white, black, uh, neutral tone. But yeah, it's definitely changed a lot. And my background in photography and design has definitely helped me with, you know, understanding why and what works and what doesn't. And are you able to, I, I guess, being there for a number of years now, you'd be able to quantify your success with how many people come back to you and ask you for a redesign? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess like for me personally, the two things I really enjoy is when one, um, like you mentioned, when somebody comes back and request me again to design a second kitchen for them or like a rental property. And two is when they bring back photos. They actually take the time to bring back photos and they tell you, hey, this is what you've designed for me. This is what it looks like now. And it's like something that I've drawn out on a computer is actually yeah. in someone's house. And this idea that existed in your head, a couple of neurons firing an electrical signal across a, a synapse have now become a physical thing that somebody uses every day to make food for their family. Yeah, it's, it's quite rewarding. And um, with my role right now, it's also just as rewarding that my team uh, receiving those kind of feedback reminds me that what I'm doing is the right thing. You mentioned your team. You actually have quite a few people that work with you, don't you? I do, yep. So right now in our kitchen team, we're roughly at around 19, 20 people in one small part of the store. So yeah, it's, it's a big team, but we do go through a lot of designs and we sell a lot of kitchens every day. So it's definitely needed. When you think about, you know, how best to to work with your team. Tell me about how leading by example plays a part in that, please. For me, when I was still a coworker, I think how I learned the most was visually seeing the leaders get involved and, you know, really taking charge and showing what's capable, what can be done. For the team I have now, it's about, you know, kind of passing on those learnings and I do get involved. Like you just don't know what you don't know. Sometimes it is just kind of making them aware of what they're doing and how they're doing it. 
It's a really interesting thing that you just said there. You just don't know what you don't know. That's a that's a pretty powerful way of you know reframing, looking at someone who's new to a task or new to a role, and you know not only for yourself to not give yourself such a hard time, I guess, to you know why am I why am I not getting this right? Why do I not understand it already? Like you just don't know what you don't know, and that's a part of learning, isn't it? It is, yeah, it's definitely. And you know, sometimes, like even for myself, right? Like sometimes I'm really hard on myself, and I just have to remember that you know it's a learning. Until you figure out a way, a pattern, then you're gonna kind of just fumble through things. And by being conscious of that, I'm more conscious of the people around me and how they think and how they do things. And it's just it makes you more aware of you know, how you're leading people, the things you're saying, how things could affect different people. You sound like you're a pretty good boss there now. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> I try to be. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, that that's, you know, that, that's, that's super cool. Before you worked uh, in this role, you worked in something called the customer division journey. I've got no idea what that means. Could you please try to explain to me as just a punter what the customer division journey coordinator role is? Yeah. So that role was, I believe at that time, it was bought in because IKEA, I think we realized that we needed to have more reach and there were no kind of services in between customers just coming in, buying things and then leaving. There was a missing link between everything else. And we know with kitchen customers, a kitchen, if someone's buying a kitchen, it is quite a big deal if they're paying thousands and thousands of dollars for it. Um, so they just needed that extra kind of somebody to connect the dots for them rather than them fumbling through it. So I believe that's where that role come from. What it was, was me just liaising with the customer and different services and our in-store kitchens team to kind of get the best service possible for them individually. So for example, some customers would have major issue with setting up a appointment with us and then also finding installer and then kind of getting different quotes. So what my job was helping them, setting up them up with the right specialist. If they had a preferred uh, language that it they speak in, setting up the right person and also then realizing with installers and helping them find the right installers. And then if there were any issues along the way, I would be the go-to person to kind of resolve it. You mentioned something in there that I am quite interested in. The part of Melbourne that your store is in, there are a lot of people that speak English as a second language. What did it feel like to be able to link up someone who speaks English as a second language with someone who can help them get what they need uh, so they can communicate to them more fluently in their, in their own language? It feels good because in a way I can definitely relate because my parents, they don't speak English very well. So in English is their second language. They can communicate, but not to the extent that we are right now. So it's very relatable for me by being able to do that. It just really rewarding when, you know, when a specific case like that happens and we so happen to have a specialist that speaks that language. You've also helped work out the virtual kitchen 
planning service, which can definitely help customers like that. Can you talk to me a little bit about what the virtual kitchen planning service is and and you know how how you work to get that up and running? What that is is you know for the customers who doesn't want to come out to the store to plan the kitchen. They can sit at home, sit in front of the computer, and we'd contact them via Skype, and then everything is done virtually. In the past few months with what's happening around the world, it's definitely been a service that's really spiked. And for me, it was about really working with the team and coaching them and how to kind of still provide the same level of service, but virtually. As we move forward into this brave new world, what do you see as the future for something like the virtual kitchen planning service? It's definitely here to stay. Like at the moment, we book like 70 sessions, 60 to 70 sessions a week. It's the new norm now. So we're at a completely different place than we were before COVID. It's not just us as well in kitchens, real kind of positive stories that came from such a negative time. What kind of positive stories as far as, you know, what we're talking about, can you recall? When the restrictions happen, we had to close down our food section. We have a lot of co-workers in the food section and we open up a service called Click and Collect, which is where customers can pay for online and then drive up to IKEA and then pick it up and they wouldn't have to pay a thing. They just have to pay for the product. And then all the co-workers from the food section moved over to click and collect. And I'm thinking how amazing it was to see a change happen so quick and everyone being on board. If you think about somebody who is, you know, cooking, serving food, all of a sudden learning all these tools and having to face a customer in a different way and how quickly they have to had to pick it up. It was pretty amazing. Another thing I've noticed is, you know, how quick communication changed. Anything could change within a few hours. And for them, it's like any change that happened, they pretty much had to make sure they get the message out as soon as possible to the customers, like the 1.5 meter restrictions. Like, you know, it happened pretty much instantly. And for them, it's like, redoing all the communication in store right then, dropping everything that they're doing and kind of working through that. It sounds to me like instantly there's this extraordinary catalyst to be as agile as you possibly can be. And it worked because not only was everyone on the store side willing to be agile and willing to change the systems that they'd been used to, but also on the customer side, the customers were very willing to be like, okay, I will just stand on this line on the ground. I won't you know, walk past this person. I know that I have to play a role here. And very quickly, everything changed quite rapidly and everyone found this new agility in the way to move forward, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's all right. And I just thought it was amazing because, you know, from my time here, being in here for over eight years, nothing happened as quick as they did during the past few months. Like it was pretty much a a one or two day thing. Like even for our online um, virtual planning session, right? We had, I remember we were given the instructions on Thursday afternoon that the next Monday we were going to open up virtual planning, but we pretty much did it by Friday and we were, we had appointments up 
by Saturday. And it was just such a quick, instant thing that it was like, there's no one real standout, which is everyone really chipping in and working together. And I just want to give like big props to my range support at that time, Cameron. He, you know, he's our IT man in the department and he was able to kind of link up everything, get all the technical side of it working. But yeah, everybody chipped in. Everybody pretty much had a new way of working. And throughout that whole experience, I just realized that we are really agile when we need to be. That's inspiring. If there's one thing I know about IKEA is they, as far as the messaging go and the comms go, certainly in the, the store that I go to all the time, which is the one in Tempe in Sydney, there's a lot of messaging, some of it subtle, some of it quite obvious about the company's commitment to, look, we've got this many solar panels on the roof and this is how much rainwater we take care of and this particular product is made entirely out of recycled you know, soda bottles or, or whatever. A bit of that has followed you home, hasn't it, Nam? It has. It has. <laughs> yes, definitely. When you mentioned the rainwater, I'm like, yes, that definitely had. Me and my family were pretty, pretty big on, you know, saving water. I honestly, I don't know how it happened. I just remembered it was during the time when Melbourne was going through a, a drought. Premier was telling us, you know, have quicker showers, don't water your lawn, just be real conservative with water. And then that happened. And then it made myself and my family more aware of the fact that, you know, we're wasting water, we're wasting a lot of water. And so me and my dad, we went around, like, if not purchasing, collecting from friends and different people, like big water containers to store rainwater. We definitely are more conscious about how when using water and just the resources around us. I guess, you know, what I, uh, what I certainly experienced, and I'm, I'm, we're very much the same here at our place. We went down to uh, Bunnings and got some of those big floppy buckets and we just put them under the shower, all right? And it's not until really that you just have like one or two showers and you look at how much water's down there. You're like, my goodness. And you know what it was, honestly, Nam? It was when we had our baby and we started using the baby bath water to put on the garden and the garden just started exploding. We're like, hang on a second here. Our garden has not looked better since the baby showed up because all that bath water and then all of our shower water is going on there. I'm I'm kind of, I'm, I'm happy to say this. I'm a bucket flusher, Nam. Yeah. I, use, <laughs> I use my shower water in a bucket to flush. I haven't pushed the button in about six months. Yeah. But, you know, that's like, it's perfectly good drinking water. Why would I want to use that to flush that down? I'll use water that I've already used, you know? Yeah, yeah. I haven't thought of that. Like, you know, maybe that's something I might experiment with. You'll never look back. It's the best. Do you grow food at home? Uh, yes. We, uh, my mom is big on growing vegetables and fruits. And I'm also like a, a plant person. So we have a lot of plants around the house, inside and outside. And we've never really used tap water or new water to water the plants. Like I can't remember the last time I did it. It was, we just have so much water around in the backyard, in containers, in buckets that it's, you know, and also water out from outside. There's obviously bacteria and different type of nutrients that you don't get in tap water. So yeah, like we grow a lot of things and we use a lot of rainwater. 
You're talking my language now. I got a plumber to drill a hole through the outside wall at our laundry, and I attached a grey water hose to the uh, laundry machine, and it just goes all the way down to the garden, and we just move that hose around the garden. Because every time you wash with our machine, it's like 70 litres of water. It's a huge amount of water. And why would we put it straight down the drain, man? Boom, on the garden. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it's just good that people are aware of that. I think most people just do things and they don't really consider what else they could do. But yeah, like for me, right, before this, I had zero clue. I was just, you know, doing my thing, leaving the tap on when I was, you know, washing my hands and doing all that. But then as you become more aware of what you're doing and how, it affects the bigger picture. I guess, you know, you take little steps and you kind of be more flexible. Now, it's been really great to talk to you, mate. I've been uh, very grateful to hear about your journey and inspired uh, about your, your gardening situation and it makes me want to get mine more, uh, more dialed in. Thank you so much for your time, brother. It's been great to talk to you today. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind the Brand, the co-workers of IKEA. Make sure you subscribe to hear the next episode. Thanks for listening.